Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Robert Wagoner taught himself a simple method to become lucid or consciously aware in the dream state back in 1975. Happened to be six years before the scientific evidence for lucid dreaming even emerged. During the next 40-plus years, he deeply explored lucid dreaming, discovered a way to directly connect with a knowledgeable and creative inner awareness. Besides his two acclaimed books on lucid dreaming, he co-edits an online magazine, Lucid Dreaming Experience, conducts online workshops with GlideWing.com, and gives talks and workshops around the planet. Robert, welcome back, my friend. Hope all is well. Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this. And how are the books doing, Lucid Dreaming? You know, they continue on selling very well. They're getting translated into many languages, French, German, Chinese, so they just keep going around the world. Good for you. Take us back to 1975. What happened to you to begin to study lucid dreaming? Right, so so that year I was a junior in high school, and I happened to be reading a book by Carlos Castaneda called Journey to Ixland. And Castaneda was a UCLA graduate student in anthropology who wanted to study psychotropic plants like peyote and things like that. And he, he found the shamanic teacher, Don Juan. And in this book, his shamanic teacher suggests to him that he find his hands in the dream state and realize he's dreaming. And, and there really wasn't a technique. And so I created my own little technique to find my hands in the dream and within three nights of trying that technique, my hands popped right in front of my face as I was walking through my high school hallway, and I realized, oh my gosh, this is a dream. So that's, that's what got me going in this uh, world of lucid dreaming. That's interesting you say that, because uh, years ago, when I was having many different kinds of dreams myself, I always wondered, where are my body parts? <laughs> you know, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I kept saying to myself, are you just like you're in there, like remote viewing, where you're just your consciousness is floating around in this dream, or you just can't see yourself? You know, in 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 real life, your hands are waving, your feet are waving, you can see everything. In a dream, you're right; you really can't. Right, right, and and so that was interesting. In that very first lucid dream of mine, um, initially I saw my hands and and realized I was dreaming. I stepped outside of the hallway, and I was looking at the brickwork of the administration building, and all of a sudden, the lucid dream got shaky, and I remembered that Don Juan had told Carlos to look back at your hands to stabilize the dream, <laughs> if, if that happened. And at that moment, I became a little ball of light floating through the palm prints of my hand, which were now like giant Grand Canyons around me. And and so you're right. I went from having a body to having no body and just being a bit of awareness. So, so that's the curious thing about dreaming and lucid dreaming. Um, it, it's, it can change that quickly. So lucid dreaming, basically, if you had to give it a specific definition, would be what? So a lucid dream is any dream in which you consciously realize within the dream that you're dreaming. Oftentimes you'll say, this is a dream. How can this be? This has to be a dream. And so you know it's dreaming. And once you know it's dreaming, then you can begin to make choices. You can decide what you want to do. You can even explore and experiment, do personal experiments and scientific experiments. Sometimes you say, thank God, it is only a dream. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly, exactly. When, uh, when, you, when you lose a dream, how can you use it to better yourself? Right. Lucid dreaming, it's like an open platform on which you can do basically whatever you want to do. So, so here's the value to lucid dreaming. You can use it to access creativity. You can use it for emotional healing. You can use it for physical healing. You can use it to engage this larger awareness, this, you're basically your unconscious mind or your larger self. And also you can use it to perform spiritual practices because lucid dreaming has a many thousand year history in Buddhism and, and Native American and shamanic traditions in Sufism and Taoism. So, so you can use it in all those different ways to explore, experiment, and, and just do incredible things. That's pretty, pretty dramatic. You've had some lucid dreamers send in reports to you about their healing techniques through lucid dreaming, haven't you? Right, right. I certainly have. And uh, especially with my magazine, The Lucid Dreaming Experience, uh, I get incredible stories of people who've used lucid dreaming for emotional healing and also for physical healing. Give us an example or two, Robert, uh, no names mentioned, of some of these healing practices from lucid dreaming. Right. So, so in our one of our recent issues, there's a young woman named Carolyn, she was planning to run a marathon, and so as part of that, she was on a 14-mile run, and at, at the 13-mile marker, suddenly her right knee pain was just unbearable, and she knew she had to stop and not cause herself any more damage. So she decided to become lucidly aware and try to heal her knee so she could continue with her marathon training. So, so later that week, she finds herself on the couch, and she looks to the right, and there's Dad. And then she looks to the left, and there's Dad. Hmm. And, she, and she thinks, wait a second, my dad's a twin, but wait. And, and then she realizes this has to be a dream. There's only one dad there. She becomes lucidly aware. She remembers she wants to heal her knees. And so if you can imagine, she puts her hand just an inch away from her knees, intending for them to be healed with healing energy. In the dream, in the dream, right? In the lucid dream, knowing it's a dream. She intends for that healing energy to occur. And she says that when she wakes, she, her knees feel much, much better. Amazing. And, and within a day or two, she runs 16 miles and had no pain, not even a twinge. You've seen this work. How does it work? You know, it, it shows us the power of the mind to heal. And you see that in people who have deep hypnosis. Uh, oftentimes they go to the dentist and the, the dentist will hypnotize them or someone will hypnotize them so they feel no pain. Right. Or the women who are going to have a child but, but they can't use uh, uh, typical medicine, so they have a hypnotist work with the woman and hypnotize her, and then she has a child without, without pain or bleeding and all that sort of thing. So you really see the power of the mind. The beautiful thing, though, is 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 in lucid dreaming, about 50% of the population reports spontaneous lucid dreams, whereas in deep hypnosis, boy, that's only 5 or maybe 10% of the population. But does everybody have lucid dreaming? I mean, if we polled every caller who calls you next hour <laughs> and asks them if they've ever had a lucid dream, do you think they'd all say yes? You know, I, I think we're going to find that, that about uh, 3 out of 10 would say no, 
but, but about seven out of 10 would say, yeah, they've had at least one experience where they've realized that they're dreaming within the dream. And, and then there's what we call frequent lucid dreamers, right. people who report at least becoming lucid at least once uh, a month. And that's about 25% of that dreaming population. I've had lucid dreaming, Robert, but I haven't used it to my advantage for healing or anything like that. I just realize, oh, I'm in a dream here, and then I wake up generally. So my realization of the lucid dream is probably maybe a couple seconds long, but I realize it's definitely a lucid dream that I'm in it, but I don't take advantage of it. How come? You know, a lot of us... um don't realize the potential. And, and because we don't know all the incredible things you can do, we just pop out of it. Uh, sometimes some people get so excited when they become lucidly aware that they pop out. It's just like um, a circuit breaker. You, you get too excited and you, you break the circuit and wake up. But when you begin to realize what you can do, then you realize why you should stay in there and how you should go about achieving the goals that you want to achieve. Because you can actually change the outcome of the dream when you know it's a lucid dream, can't you? Oh, exactly. Um, you, you can, can rewrite the script. It. In fact, some lucid dreamers nowadays, they'll use their hands and they'll scroll the dream, the lucid dream backwards to a better point and, <laughs> and then uh, come up with a new response to a situation. So, so once you realize that you're dreaming and if you know how, the, the sky's the limit. There's no limit to what you can do. Would you? How would you categorize lucid dreaming in terms of importance compared to uh, special dreams of precognitive dreams and things like that? You know, you you can use lucid dreaming to seek out precognitive information, uh, but but you're right. Sometimes we have big dreams, whether they're precognitive or telepathic or whatever, that just occur spontaneously. But, but the beautiful thing about lucid dreaming is once you learn that skill, then you have access to that every time you become lucidly aware. That's amazing. It's very powerful, isn't it, if you know it how really to use is. it? Truly. Do you do it often? Mm. You know, what I tell people is uh, normally if I just let things go as they would, I'll have two to three lucid dreams a month. Um, when I was back in my heyday, Seeing how deep I could go, I got up to 30 lucid dreams a month. Uh, some nights I'd have two that's, or three lucid That's a lot. So, but that takes a lot of effort, and if I just uh, kind of hang out, I'll have two to three lucid dreams a month. I do recall it's kind of fun to know you're in a dream and you can't get hurt or anything like that. Right. You can go flying. You can walk through walls. You can walk on water. You can do virtually anything. So it is a lot of fun. And actually, that's one of the problems, because sometimes it's so fun you forget to do those important things that you wanted to do. Exactly. Like emotional healing or physical healing or accessing creativity. And it ends too quickly, too, sometimes. And and that's very true. So uh, there's ways of elongating the lucid dream, um, but you got to be ready when you see the symptoms to respond. Now, have some people had health problems, they lucid dream, and nothing happened because they probably didn't know what they were doing? Exactly, yeah. Uh, um, some lucid dreamers, uh, they've sought healing, like they'll find the lucid dream hospital and talk to the lucid dream doctor, but then they won't take any of his recommendations in the lucid dream. Uh, and it's interesting, it's almost comical, and then they wake up and they, they have no healing. So, so you, you see that they're being given good advice, 
but, but they even refuse to take it. So occasionally you'll see folks who, who for whatever reason, um, have no healing benefit in those lucid dream attempts. What comes first, the lucid dream or the ability to want to create the lucid dream? <laughs> you know, I would say for most of us, the ability to want to create the lucid dream. Yeah. Uh, so some of us uh, start off, you know, as children, uh, spontaneously lucid dreaming. And there is a study in Germany by Ursula Voss where she studied children ages 6 to 19. And I believe like 20% of the 8-year-olds were already having spontaneous lucid dreams. But for most of us, we have to have that desire to have a lucid dream and to learn how to go about that process. And of all the kinds of dreams that are out there, how would you categorize lucid dreaming? Way up there? You know, lucid dreaming is definitely way up there because it opens up all the potential, all the possibilities of dreaming when you realize within a dream that you're dreaming. It's fun, isn't it? It's truly fun, and you can do virtually everything. So, so it's, it's really one of those wonderful techniques, uh, abilities that, that if people learn how to master, the, the, they'll get so much benefit from. And, uh, and that, that's why I, I love uh, talking with you and others just to explain the incredible potential that you'll find in lucid dreaming. We're going to take calls next hour with Robert Wagoner about dreams. Do you interpret dreams, too? You know, occasionally um, you have to interpret dreams, uh, especially if you're going to be a good lucid dreamer. So I'm happy to answer questions about that as well. Okay. Now, why do some people, Robert, not remember their dreams? And I would say a lot of people don't remember their dreams. You know, I think we live in a culture that really doesn't value dreaming, and so we're busy people. We wake up, we look at our phone, we, we check our emails and texts, and, and so we, we just devalue dreaming. But in cultures where people really care about dreaming, uh, they, they pay attention, they remember, and all. So each of us, every night, we're having probably five or six dreams, spending 23% of the sleep state in dreaming but you have to have a focus on that recall because if you don't, within 10 or 15 seconds, the dream will disappear and you'll, you'll forget what you dreamt about. Tell us again how you teach people to learn that they're in a lucid dream. So there's a number of ways, but, but the way that I taught myself way back in 1975 was finding my hands. And you did this on, on your own, basically? Yep, I just created this because I knew about the power of suggestion. So before sleep, I'd look at my hands, the palm of my hands, while telling myself repeatedly over and over, quietly in my mind, tonight in my dreams I'll see my hands and realize I'm dreaming. Tonight in my dreams I'll see my hands and realize I'm dreaming. I'd say that for about five minutes and fall asleep. On the third night of doing that, that's when I'm walking through my high school hallway and boom, my hands pop right in front of my face, and I think, oh, my hands, this is a dream. Huh. Because I had made my hands the symbol that would help me recognize that I was dreaming. And once I saw that symbol of my hands, I was ready to go. I knew it was a dream. Dream states, let's talk about general dream states for a moment, Robert, uh, are very powerful. You can use them to solve problems. You can use them to communicate with people. I got to be very honest with you, years ago when I wanted to get things done professionally, I would concentrate on that individual who had the decision-making powers to decide what he was going to do with me, whether it was to buy some video or whatever I was doing. I would concentrate on that individual 
and go to sleep. And sure enough, like within a day or so, that person would end up calling or something would happen and he'd say, hey, you were on my mind. Uh, let's do this project. You know, that's, that's lovely. I, I was out in uh, Taiwan uh, where my books have been published in Chinese. And on the very first night of the conference, a woman asked me, could lucid dreaming help her lose weight? And I asked her to explain, and she said she'd been trying to lose weight for decades and hadn't been able to lose weight. And I told her she didn't have to lucid dream. All she had to do was go to sleep that night and tell her larger self that it would provide a dream that would explain why she couldn't lose weight. And the next morning she came down and she told the entire class, last night I dreamt I was a puffer fish. And we we all know a puffer fish is the kind of fish that gets bigger, it puffs up, to protect itself, to defend itself. And then it gets really small again when it's done. Uh, and so so she understood from that dream, dream symbol, that that she couldn't lose weight because she was all puffed up to defend herself. And until she got over that feeling of a need to be defensive, uh, she would never be able to lose weight. Is dreaming part of the brain or is it outside of the brain? It's definitely part of the brain, but... Is it the conscious mind or the unconscious mind or an integration of the two? I think it's really an integration of the two. Interesting. I mean, with precognitive dreams, uh, my daughter had one about 9-11. We didn't know what it was, but it was definitely that episode because she saw ash and dust falling from buildings while she was walking. And uh, she said her boots were up to six inches and uh, like snow dust uh, in but what creates the precognitive dream, which is pretty darn accurate? Right. I know so many people had uh, 911 dreams in advance of 911, including myself. And I think, I think that that's when you get into a larger framework of either a collective unconscious or a universal mind or something like that, because some of these experiences are just too hard to explain without uh, positing an idea like that. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.